Blog Talk Radio. Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. And my name is Kim, and I am your host this evening. My co-host just popped in there. Dr. Nancy is is with me tonight as well. And we are on scan number 3271. And um, we have a growing panel going, so that's really good to see. I can't wait to introduce our, our host, and it looks like you might have some support coming here. So we have a single purpose here at NASCA, and that is to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional traumas, and neglect. And we do so with two goals. One, by educating the public, especially as related to helping society get over its taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, also known as CSA, presenting facts showing child abuse to be a pandemic, worldwide problem that affects everyone, and two, by offering hope and healing through numerous paths, providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse, and any information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. And again, we are on scan number 3271, this evening, and um, we have a very special guest who is a, a special friend or um, relative of someone that we just had on recently. So I'm excited to announce her tonight, and her name is Callie Tatter, and she's from Montana, and she is a child abuse survivor who um, says that she was 14 when her neighbor, a husband and father of three, started using her for his own pleasure. She had been groomed for a while before this, and it started with her babysitting his kids, she explained, but she started to heal. 13 years later, she spoke out and told her story, starting with informing her dad. After five years, she finally got a conviction. Callie is committed to helping others. She launched Wildflower, a sexual, trauma support group for women that was created in 2023, and she welcomes others 
is a safe place where the goal is to provide support and comfort through shared experiences. So anyone can find the group on Facebook, but only members can see who's on the group and what they post, Callie says. So um, she will never stop trying to support other women in this situation. And um, so, in, Callie, we're going to go ahead and bring you on and welcome you to the show. Hi. So you, hello, welcome. We're so glad that you're here tonight. It's an honor to have you on. Thank you. I appreciate it. So, yeah. Um, so we have, actually, we have a growing panel, like I said. So it looks like maybe some people might be supporting you. And so I will pop over there here in just a minute um, as you get started, and we'll see what's, who's on there supporting you. But as I said okay. before, when I spoke with you, just, you know, kind of tell your story starting in chronological order and as, as young as you want to tell it, and then just kind of work our way up. And then we may have a, some questions here and there, and we'll definitely break, you know, probably at the half-hour mark and the hour mark is usually our, our goal to take a break and ask the panel and if they have anything. Okay. So does that sound good? <laughs> yeah, sounds wonderful. Okay. Yeah, is um, there anything else? You need to say before we get started, or you you're ready? Um, I did want to. I did want to correct. Um, my name is actually pronounced Kaylee. It's Kaylee. spelled funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, and I should have asked you that earlier too. So I apologize. It's okay. So no worries at all. <laughs> so I okay. Guess well, I just start. Start it up. Yeah. So yeah. to just start. Um, I was, you know, this whole story kind of starts when I was in high school very early on. Um, I had just moved into the house with my dad, and um, so I was kind of new to the area anyway, um, but had, you know, visited my dad over the summers and everything, and so I actually knew the family next door really well. Um, and, you know, I was getting a little bit older and his kids were younger than I was. So he actually asked me if I would, um, come over and babysit and do some nights to where they could have date night. So we did that. And, um, I think it was a couple times in and, um, he, they both had come home pretty late. I had already put the kids to bed and I was actually sleeping on the couch when they came in and, um, you know, I woke up to him sitting on the couch with me and, you know, touching me inappropriately. And, um, you know, I, at the time I didn't know what to do. I kind of froze and it, uh, you know, I, I kind of got home as quickly as I could and and honestly blocked it out of my mind. You know, that's something that I didn't want to process at the time and um it was it was really just too much. <laughs> um and sometimes you don't honestly, know even what's going on. I, right? You're just Right. Yeah. 
Right. And, you know, especially with him, he was trusted. He was my dad's friend. Um, and I trusted him. You know, we we would do things like with the kids and I, because I was close enough to their age to where we could, you know, we all went and rode dirt bikes and stuff together and, and things like that. Um, I was just old enough to, you know, to babysit. So, um, and, you know, my timeline, and I've gone through a lot of therapy um, over the years, but my timeline has never really been extremely clear to me, you know. Um, So really how it progressed and how it came to be a, a normal thing weekly even, um, is a little unclear. Uh, I don't really really remember the steps that it took to get there. Um, But, I mean, eventually it was, you know, anytime he could come up with an excuse, really, to have some sort of time alone, um, he would you know, have little parties with the kids and stuff like that, like just kind of come over and play video games and stuff and watch movies. And I think those were excuses to have me, you know, in the house and nearby. And because he was was very much, you know, an opportunist, um, which is kind of comes in down the line as well because we're really not sure if there's other victims necessarily as, as you know as deep as it got with me um i really think it was opportunity that i was there and you know it, it was just easy um so there are several big events that therapy uncovered um i don't know if any of the listeners have ever done emdr but it is it is what really saved me as far as kind of uncovering what was going on in my own head. Um, it's an amazing tool to be able to, you know, dig out the things that your brain knows is there, but you may not remember. I was diagnosed with um, trauma-induced amnesia, very, very, very early on. And so that's that's what ended up making me um, start EMDR therapy. Um, but yeah, I just, <laughs> I guess it kind of just moved on from there. And again, like I, I, I told you earlier, Kim, it was, you know, a little over three years constant uh, well, at least very consistently, um, trauma and, and abuse um, several times a week. Sometimes there was time in between, but um, yeah, it's something that's been very hard for me to uncover and continue to talk about, but it's also very important, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Because it's not easy to come forward at all. Right. And um, and sometimes I, know, I feel like it's, it's harder to talk about 
because you feel like you've told it so many times and I, you know, right now I'm kind of getting a little um, lost in the story because I've told it so many times, but, you know, I forget. I I definitely forget things and it's hard. (laughs) It's hard for sure. Well, um, why don't we just go ahead and and take a break. I'm sure there might be some questions and, um, and I think that my my co-host as well has probably a question for you. So um, mm-hmm. we're going to go ahead and bring them on, if that's okay with you. And um, yeah, let's see if she has anything she wants to say. Dr. Nancy. Hi, Callie. How are you? Hi. How are you? Okay. I just want to tell you thank you for joining us tonight. Um, and right now I'm Absolutely. just listening. Um, yeah, thank you. And right now I'm just listening. This is still the beginning, and um, I just want to make sure that um, I get to hear more of your story. I was supposed to be hosting tonight, but it's okay. And uh, I just wanted to um, to come on and be supportive um, as there was a switch. And I just want to make sure again that I'm able to. Uh, to just be here for you. So, again, um, that's a very young age, to be 14 and to go through grooming. So I'm looking forward for you to share some of those steps that happened during the grooming process. Thank you. Absolutely. Did I lose you, Kim? Um, I think uh, she went on the other line. She should be coming right back oh, in a minute. Okay. Do you want me to answer those questions yeah. when we go back on? Yeah, it's the same thing. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Okay. Um, so as far as um, the grooming, he he definitely had a lot of um, ammo with me for sure. Um when I was younger and still I I've always really liked the automotive industry, cars and, you know, trucks and back then it was mostly fast cars and muscle cars and things like that. Um, and he owned, um, a, a car shop basically that would do detailing for very expensive cars. And he, used that to lure me into the shop and get that time um, when the shop was empty to, you know, kind of lure me in with the cars and and say, hey, let's go for a ride and, you know, see just the excitement that I had. But, you know, it was also, looking back now, it was also that draw to get me into the building with just him. Um, and a lot of the abuse actually happened there at his shop at his place of employment. He had kind of a back area where there was a little apartment set up because I I think one of his shop guys stayed there sometimes, but you know, a lot of the abuse happened there. And like I said before, we would also go out with the dirt bikes and I had a quad and you know, we'd go out into the mountains and trail ride. Um, 
And, you know, he really made me feel like I was, you know, his best friend. And, you know, a very close person to his kids and, and showed a lot of gratitude for that. And eventually it came to the point where we were so close that, um, you know, he would tell me all these issues that was going on with his marriage. And, you know, I think that was also a part of grooming. It was, it was looking for sympathy, um, which I didn't really know how to deal with back then. You know, this is one of my, well, it was my first sexual experience with anybody. So I didn't know. (laughs) But there's so many people that go through that. No, I'm glad that you shared that because there's so many people that go through that that's never had that type of experience. And like you said, right. you know, that was your first experience of, of any type of sexual contact. You're 14 years old and this person's taking advantage. And that's why I wanted you to kind of expand on how the process of grooming uh, happened to you because this can happen just to anyone, anyone. It can happen to anyone. And anyone can be the groomer as well. Like I said, my family knew him and we were close with him and my dad was friends. I mean, he was a trusted family friend. And I think that's one of the most important things that people need to watch out for is you may think you know the people around you, but if there's any type of red flag, any type of odd feeling or anything, listen to your gut because you really never know. And I, I truly don't believe that my family knew anything. I mean, obviously, my do- my father is fiercely protective. And if he had known, I know it never would have been overlooked. And I think that's the scary part about these people is they trick your family and they trick you and they trick everyone around you with their charm and and I think that's also a scary thing is they're usually you know charming and people pleasers and these people that you want to be around and they're you know endearing and it's it's really 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 terrifying that these people are just among us being well liked and trusted you know, yeah, they normally are well liked and trusted, and that's what makes it very scary. That people would never believe that they would be abusive, disrespectful, and would take advantage of someone because of their kindness and vulnerability. And they just come off as sweet, kind. They're everybody's favorite uncle, cousin, friend, exactly. and they have this charm about them. They so they sound so sweet. But they're really evil and demonic. It was just really sad that you had to endure that. I just wanted uh, to say that and thank you for sharing. Absolutely. Yeah, it is It is the scariest part of pedophiles is that they usually are the liked person, the, the charming one. Yeah, absolutely. And, Kelly, I was going to say, I think they're – I'm sorry, I keep wanting to call you Kelly. <laughs> Um, it's okay. It's I okay. wanted to say, now it's stuck in my head and it's not right. So I apologize. 
Um, but <laughs> I was going to say, I think that the babysitting grooming is probably a lot more prevalent than people realize. And um, I know, I, yeah, I just found out that my aunt, who passed away a few years ago, I, before she passed away, she had shared with me, because I started sharing, that um, she had a similar situation to yours. It was a, a guy oh across gosh. the street who she babysat for all the time and, you know, knew the family and everything. And, and she said, yep. you know, as you say, as it, I didn't even realize what was happening. And, I, and then when I started to kind of realize, and I was like, well, maybe this is a relationship. And then as you get right. older, you're, you're like, well, no, that can't really be. <laughs> that just doesn't right. happen. That's not worth working so yeah I think it is and and I think that there's probably still as we all know there's so many people that don't tell their story until they're a lot older and um, yeah we just don't know you know it. it took me 13 years to say something and you know I I I think that's my my biggest goal is to help these women that have gone through these things that are even just a little bit similar, you know, that's incredible that, you know, and I know it's a common storyline, but, you know, what your aunt went through is very reminiscent. It's, it's very hard to explain later on. Um, And I, I think, I think hearing that somebody else went through it and, you know, spoke out later on is, is healing. Um, but the babysitting situation is so i don't know even what the word is but it's it's a vulnerability for a younger kid because you know they're getting paid it's their like their first job and it's so exciting cuz they'll have their own money and you know and he was paying me generously you know it was more than he should have paid me kind of thing um and I, I think, you know, kind of feeding into, you know, a 14-year-old girl's wants for her first job and her first income is, I mean, that is grooming as well. You know, he has something that I wanted and um, he made made it feel like it was this wonderful, wonderful situation. And I did start to feel like you were saying, I did start to feel like, you know, maybe this is a relationship because I didn't know what a relationship was. I had never had one. I didn't know what it was feel what it would feel like to have you know a man talk to me this way or or touch me in a certain way or anything like that. It was all new. Um, and of course, people who don't know, um, you know people who have never been in that situation, it's very hard to explain to them, you know, that I was naive and I had no idea what was going on. Um, But then you talk to somebody who's been through it and and it's like, you know, almost the exact same emotions um, from one situation to another. It's, it's fear, but also excitement and, you know, curiosity really and then it starts getting scary for me um, 
he was never really violent, um, which I, I got very lucky with, but it did get to a point where it was threatening. Um, and it, it was mostly, you know, you can't tell anybody about this. You can't tell anybody, you know, anything and never hint that it's me. And, you know, we, I don't want to talk about what would happen if you told people and things like that to where started to get a little, I mean, a little scary. And I obviously knew that it was wrong. Um, but being young and moldable and um, vulnerable, I mean, at that point, you know, I had never been, I had also also never been threatened in that way either. Um, but yeah, it's, it's the the grooming is very 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 hard to explain to some people yeah and um that's what i do now that is my work now that i started speaking out as i go out and i talk to adults i think that we need to get this back into the adult hands because the children don't know just like we're all saying, I think we've all had a lot of similar experiences where we don't realize what's happening. And it doesn't really right. matter the age. My, I mean, one of my very first experience older than me. So, you know, it can be, and then, you know, then later on it became my stepdad. So, you know, it, you don't ever know. And then you've got this, I remember at five thinking, he likes me, you know. And I yeah. was like, but then once he got really aggressive, I was like, uh, no, I don't want him that way. <laughs> just as I do yeah. at five, you just don't want So, yeah, I think that at any age, you, as a child, and especially if you have not, well, no, even if you have been in a relationship already, I think it was, you know, adults need to start watching out that we be happening. So right. do you feel that there were any things that kind of changed in you as you were starting in this process with this man across the street or that you babysat that for? I don't know if across the street, but yeah. What do you, you know? I, yeah. As, as a growing child, essentially, I definitely remember changing my mindset and basically saying, well, now I have a secret to keep. Um, and it, that just starts a web of lies. And, you know, it's it's really heavy on a kid to spin this web of lies and to keep it going and to hold it up and to keep it from collapsing and, you know, and also adding in a little bit of fear from this person who's threatening you to you know, keep your mouth shut and, and, you know, don't, don't tell our secrets, you know, sort of thing. And I remember my, my mindset on life really kind of switched over and it was almost like somebody flipped this switch in my head and, and I realized that there was bad in the world and I had seen bad before, but this was so different. Um, you know, I think I think a child should never have to go through that type of realization that young um, because this did start when I was 14 
you know, I just, I, I had just started high school and, you know, it, it was just so raw and my life was kind of tossed upside down because I had just moved in with my dad. I had moved away um, from living with my mom to living with my dad because the high schools in the area were much better. And so I was just kind of new to the the house and, and the my lifestyle and, you know, my home life and everything was so new. And then you added this in and I, I struggled as a kid, you know, I struggled with school, um, mostly because the schools where I came from were really far behind. So my grades weren't great going into high school. And so I just, I remember thinking this is a lot. And after that very first night, that very first, um, point of contact when he started to touch me and, um, you know, and he started so slow, but when that started, I remember going home, sitting on the edge of my bed and thinking, what the hell just happened? And what is going on with my life? And, you know, I went to sleep and I shoved it down and I didn't think about it again. And, you know, and like I said before, I don't remember what the next, you know, scenario was because, I just completely blanked it out. You know, my my brain just completely shut shut down and I have these kind of pinpointed memories of these bigger events that stick out. Um, and, you know, those are what we used in the court case. And that's what we kind of focused on when I was in therapy were, you know, those where I had some sort of memories and we dug into them deeper. And that's all I had to use when it came to the, the court case and, and trying to get a conviction, um, which worked. <laughs> I was successful and it's, you know, it's something that I'm very, very proud of. Yeah. Good for you. That had just been a lot to go through all of that. But then you know, I really think mm-hmm. I'm sorry, what was that? I just say and rewarding then at the end. Very. Very and very validating. Um no. and I don't know, Kim, how deep into detail you want me to go about my story and myself. Um you know, I can I can definitely dig deeper into that side, but I also really want to talk about the the court case and the and the process of that because I think that's what scares most people. Did I lose you? But um go ahead. Um this is Dr. Nancy. You can go ahead and share what you were getting ready to share regarding the court case. Okay. Yeah. So um as far as far as when I started my uh, my case, so it started with me telling my dad what had happened and telling him the story, um, and I I 
held back on doing that my entire life up until then because I was terrified that my dad would end up in prison and not him, mm-hmm. you know, and and having that as a, you know, a, a reason to not tell my story was strong. You know, I, I, I didn't want anything to happen to my dad. You know, I didn't want, um, I didn't want him to get in trouble for, you know, beating this guy up or, you know, possibly killing him. You know, my dad, like I said before, he's, he's fiercely protective. Um, anyway, so it, it was time I had seen a therapist once. And I think after that appointment, I, you know, I just thought to myself, it's, it's time. So we had a family night and, you know, we were all sitting around a fire, and I looked at my dad, and I said, we really need to talk. And I, I just divulged everything. And we, my dad knew a guy in the police department in the area where um, the crimes occurred. So we gave him a call the next day. We got something set up to where I could speak with the detective, and I gave my statement. And after I gave my statement, I had a detective assigned to me, um, and we really, we really hit the ground running. And we spent about a year and a half trying to collect evidence. And the biggest part about that was trying to actually contact my abuser, which I agreed to, um, and contact him and try to get some sort of a confession on recording, um, whether that be through text, email. We did some recorded phone calls, which never worked for me. Um, but that was our plan of action, was trying to get some sort of a a confession out of him. And like I said, I agreed to doing that. I agreed to the contact, um, which wasn't easy but very necessary. Um, We ended up getting a recorded phone call with my abuser and my dad that was so telling and so convincing that I I truly believe that was one of the biggest things that the grand jury said, we're moving forward with this. Um, So we did. We went to grand jury, and it was unanimously a, a yes, a go ahead, And then several years into that, we, I believe it was a total of about five years between making my statement to the police and getting a conviction. And he was sentenced, uh, I believe, February Hmm. of last year. And if I remember correctly, last year. Um, And he, you know, we indicted him um, off of the grand jury ruling, and he went to jail for however many days, and he got out with an ankle monitor. And he had the ankle monitor on for, gosh, I believe it was a little over a year. And by then, you know, he got it off for good behavior or whatever. But we did. We we went to trial and he was convicted 
um, and he is a felon and he has to register as a sex offender and, you know, all the, all the key things that I needed to see come out of this to be happy with the situation happened. And it was such a, such a win for me, even though he didn't do any prison time, he got 90 days in, in the county jail, um, which to a lot of people sounds like it's not a win, but we really weren't honestly expecting any jail time um, to come up anyway, just because it had been so long. Um, but we did. We got 90 days, and they weren't 90 happy days in jail for him. Thank goodness. Um, but I think the the lifelong effects of all of that, you know, are really important. That was what was important for me is that he is a felon and he does have to register and he does have to complete um, this therapy program for sex offenders. And it's really, really in-depth. And, you know, I think those lasting effects after the jail time are what, that's what makes it a, a win for me. And I oh, think that's... every woman who has ever been through this deserves that day. I agree with you 150%. I think it's definitely a win-win period. Um, yeah, it would have been great if you would have done more time. But the fact that he had to face his own demons and now be on the radar so that others are um, aware of this predator being out in the street. I know personally for me, my I never even threw my abuser really under the bus with the law. And um and I regret it because he has he has hurt other people, uh, to the point that um one of my sisters took her life, you know, by suicide because of this level of abuse. And so um I think what you're saying is definitely a wonderful way to show that, you know, even if he doesn't get all these years of time, uh, the fact that now he's a registered sex offender, yeah, he did get 90 days, and he did get a taste of it, uh, but he's also able to, um, you know, you're, you are able to get a, some form of closure knowing that he's under the radar and that other Absolutely. people don't care that this predator is out there. Um I don't know if Ms. Kim is back with us, but I know we have two other people on the line, so I just want to, uh, I guess, help out and uh, see if Philip or um, the parent uh, have anything to say. So I'm going to open the mic, and if anybody would like to say anything, please uh, start. Um, Did he ask for consent at all? This is Philip. And what was the question again, Philip? Sorry. Did he ask for consent at all? Hmm. Did he ask for consent? Um, You know, in the beginning I was saying my timeline and my my details aren't very clear, but he never asked me if it was okay. He never – it was more of a telling situation, like this is what what I'm going to do. And this is what we are going to do. And this is what you want. And this is what I want. And it was never, you know, oh, is this okay? Or or is it is it okay if I do this? It, he does not have that type of personality. He has a very pushy personality. 
um, and he gets what he wants. And so there was never a question, no. That personality reminds me of my father. I'm really sorry to hear that, honestly, because those personalities, they're out there, and when they do become horrible people, you know, when the, sometimes those personalities are wonderful people, but having that evil mixed with that personality is so dangerous and so terrifying because I don't know if your father is this way, but my abuser was very charming and very convincing. Yes, he was like that. Yeah, I really, I, I hate to hear that. Wait, how old are you? I am in my 30s. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. It's actually not polite to ask women that. I just remembered. Um, okay. Do you do any volunteer work? I do. I, well, somewhat. I move often, so I don't really have an area where I can do physical work, but I do have a support group that I've started. Um, it is for sexually abused women, um, so I, my group may not work exactly for your situation, but I, um, you know, I, I'm trying to just empower people to get to the point where they feel like they can and they have enough courage to move forward and talk about what happened to them. It's it's not necessarily about, you know, going to the police. It's about admitting what has happened to you and, and dealing with that. Um, have you moved forward with any police reports? Yes, just one. But they are not going to do anything about it. They're not doing anything about it. That's a really hard situation to be in. And I know, and when I talk to the women that I I have been helping, and there's specifically one gal, I have to stress with them that there is a chance that maybe there's not enough evidence or maybe it just doesn't go as far as you want it to go. But trying and making the report, I think, is really healing and really important. Um, oh. Go ahead. I just got to let you know who you're dealing with. I let somebody rub off on me, and I've been that abusive person before. Maybe not, like, really abusive, but I'm not a perfect person. Yeah, definitely. You, sometimes you just, and unfortunately, abuse sometimes is a revolving door with families. But I think if you know that and you work on yourself, working on yourself, in any of these situations is the most important thing, I believe. But it's something you need to work on yourself. I'm sorry, I didn't catch what you said. What are some things you can do to work on yourself? And I'm trying to break that generational curse. Yeah, I think I, you know, I'm not in that particular position. You know, it wasn't a family member for me, but I think especially if if you have children, making sure that your, you know, these these habits that you saw in your father don't reoccur. Um, 
and I think I think just really focusing in on yourself and what your actions do to others and how they affect others um, is really important. And I even did a lot of this self-reflection because I felt like my trauma was affecting, affecting other people in negative ways. And in my case, I had to reflect and, and learn to give myself a break, you know, um, but I would just say a lot of self-reflection and, and seek therapy. Honestly, a counselor is a wonderful tool. Does a regular mental health uh, therapist from the county count? Um, I would Yes, absolutely. Somebody that you can talk to who, you know, is certified in that kind of work. Um, you know, any anything that you know, will help you work through things. I think in, in you know, someone, like I said, someone who's certified in that work is important. Um, but, yeah, definitely continue to seek therapy. You know, even if something's not state-funded or anything like that, I think continuing therapy is really, really important. It's a tool for you to use to help yourself. Okay, thanks. I guess you're welcome. Thank you. The next person, huh? Yeah. And, you know, um, hey, philipyouthebomb.com. I just wanted to say, philipyouthebomb.com, you've been doing great with your interactions and sharing some wonderful, engaging questions. But you wanted to highlight that. Thank you. (laughs) Not me? Oh. Uh, I was saying, Philip, uh, both both uh, Callie as well, but Philip, you have been consistently showing up and doing a wonderful job asking great questions, and uh, I've seen your growth. I just want to say um, that we're proud of you. You're doing a great job. Thanks, Dr. Nancy. I agree. Thank you for calling in. I agree with that. <laughs> Thanks. I really appreciate you calling and asking me questions. I think that is a very important first step, or second step, or fifth step. Thanks, Katie. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. Well, yeah, I mean, just starting that process. So, Kaylee, I was kind of wondering if there were any other um, survivors that came up forward what, during your trial, or was it just you? And yeah. I apologize, so, I lost if you were. <laughs> Uh, no, it's okay. So there was um, there was no survivors that you know popped up afterwards. There was a friend of mine that had you know inappropriate contact with him on one occasion, and it was in front of me. Um, and we did ask her to participate in the trial and and the court case and everything, but she did decline. And that is okay. You know, she she didn't, yeah. I believe that she didn't necessarily know my story. Um, and I, I don't think that it really registered what was going on. Um, and it also wasn't explained to her when she was asked to participate. So, um, so he did make inappropriate contact with someone else, but it was in my presence. And nobody else has come oh, out wow. since then. Yeah. That's pretty brazen. 
that? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was, I think it was a tactic, honestly, um, to try to make me jealous. And that sounds so ridiculous, but when you have an abuser who's got your brain so messed up that you believe that that is your person or that's all you can get or that's all you get, and then for them to kind of pull a, a jealousy trip on you kind of like that is odd. You know, it's an odd feeling. Yeah. And she did give a statement and she did corroborate what I had seen. And, and, and you know, that part of it was corroborated and, and, you know, taken into account. But she did not want to participate in the trial. Yeah, I can't. I mean, you can't. You can't make somebody be in a place no. where you talk And I know Absolutely that I not. probably thought about it for 20 years or so before I even spoke up. You know, it was the, right. I know that this isn't right. I know that in my case, I felt God was going to use me in that way at some point. I just didn't know what that would look like. But when yeah. um, things started to come my way that I felt very strongly about and I knew that I could really get behind and support and um, and take out to, into my community as well, that's, that was a big part of my yeah. healing is I needed to be able to share that with my community. And because I had been so active in my kids' schools and the church and um, and everything as they were growing up, and then they they were already gone. There was a little bit of a I didn't I didn't get help when I was a child, so there was a little bit of the I had tested a secret still, and so a lot of the people that were in my you know hemisphere were um, mm-hmm. not really aware of it, and so I had to go kind of slowly at letting people know at their their speed, including their, my my kids. Because all three of my kids yes. didn't know, and all three of them found out in ways that were basically different, and <laughs> I guess in their own time, where um, yeah, my son was very involved and very much wanted to know what was going on with me, and I've always been extremely close with him, and so it made sense to me. I was like, yeah, this is great. I can talk to you, even though he was yeah. he was like I think eighteen when I when I kind of started talking about it, but, um, but yeah, my girls are a little bit, they were a little bit slower to come on board and, and they're still, I mean, they still struggle with it a a lot because it was one of the people was somebody that they know, you know? And so that's exactly. Yeah. So yeah, everybody's at their own pace and I, I completely understand that. Yeah. But it's nice that she, you know, for me it was, very, it was very every, and I want to put this out there as kind of a preface to my situation. I feel like I am extremely lucky and blessed in how my case went forward and completed and everything. I feel like sometimes I feel guilty that I'm not necessarily guilty because I I think I know better than that, but, you know, I still feel a little bit of guilt that some women are just not believed. And 
some women have absolutely zero support and sometimes they'll tell people and they'll just be ignored. And, you know, when I came out and I made this, you know, not public, but I told my family, it it was like everybody was on board and gung-ho and ready to fight this with me. Um, and that is something that I pray every woman gets the chance to feel that. You know, another thing was I had probably the best team as far as the DA, my lawyer, um, my lawyer, is amazing and I'm going to get a little emotional here because this is probably the best part of my whole um, experience is these people that rallied around me and uh, just took my story and just wanted to shove it in everybody's face. You know, they wanted to make sure that everybody understood that this this story is real and this actually happened and we are pushing this to the end. And, you know, I, I just, I can't even express my gratitude toward those people and my family, my friends. I want to be this cheerleader for these women that maybe don't have the courage because they're not sure how it's going to be received. And maybe they don't have that support group. And I I do believe going forward with something like this, you do need a, a support group. There is a wonderful, wonderful woman that I have been speaking with, and I'm not, I'm not sharing any names or anything um, or any details, but, you know, we're kind of working through how she feels about going forward and, and telling her story um, and making a police report. And I think her biggest fear is, or well, she's told me her biggest fear is that, you know, either they won't believe her or somehow it'll get turned back on her and be her fault. And I resonate with that so much. And it's really hard to get past that feeling, but I want to be there to help and kind of hold these women's hands and say, you know, you can do it. You can speak out. You can say, this happened to me. And after that, whatever, you know, however far you want to take it is however far you're going to take it. You know, you need to, I, I think that that first step is the most important part. Um, but, you know, and, and this, this, woman that I am speaking about, she might be listening tonight, and I want you to listen to me. I am so proud of you for going as far as you you have already, and I am proud of you for reaching out and, you know, trying to find some guidance with me, and I, I am so grateful that you have told me everything, and, you know, this is this is why I want to do what I'm trying to do with my support group is because this feeling of helping other women is so powerful. And it makes me feel like this this incredibly horrible thing that happened to me as a child can actually make something i can I can make something beautiful with it. you know I can use it as 
strength to help others. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you, Kaylee. Yeah. I love getting, yeah, you can get emotional anytime. That's fine. <laughs> and can, just so you know, you know, because we're, um, we've only got like 30 minutes left, but I wanted to tell you that your scan is 3271, so you can have anybody go back on if they didn't, weren't able to get on tonight live. Um, they can go back on to NASCA's website, and it usually loads about a half an hour after we're done with it, the interview tonight. So, um, yeah, anybody amazing. that wants to go ahead and listen to and support you more, that's, that's just awesome. It's amazing, and, and you're so brave. Thank you. We're honored yeah, to be able absolutely. to sit here and listen to your story. So can you tell us a little bit um, more then, again, about what you've been doing the last, you know, in your adult years as you started to raise awareness and grow and, you know, just kind of take us into that next phase of your life and what's up next, maybe? Yeah, (laughs) definitely. You know, I, it, it was a tough start. I will, I will say that. You know, after after I went to the police and I made my statement and everything kind of started rolling really quickly, I made sure that I I got in with another another therapist and and you know that's when I met my my therapist Wendy and I will forever be grateful to her. I don't see her anymore because I live out of state, but um, she was a key part of my healing and my discovery of memories and some of my diagnoses. Um, I, I, you know, I'm not sure she'd ever listen or ever would hear this, but, you know, she was my angel in that time. Um, but it was really tough in the beginning because I almost had zero memories. Um, you know, I, I didn't really know where to start as far as a timeline. I didn't know which memory fit where. Um, and I, I didn't also have enough detail really, you know, in each memory. And it was, it was through the therapy, the EMDR therapy and talk therapy that I did. I was able to kind of crack my memories and and get those details and open up and allow myself to heal. Um, and once I started healing, it was so much easier and everything kind of fit into place. And, you know, I, I won't say that it wasn't hard because every step of this whole process was hard in some way and it was taxing and it was emotionally um just a bombardment every day almost because you think about it and and you know your life is in this in this upheaval and you feel like you're at a blender and you're not sure you know what's happening next but going through the therapy and listening to these wonderful people help help me through every step of the way including all of my team with the police department was just so, um, it, I mean, it was just amazing. It was it was an incredible experience, and something I would never trade. Um, 
Now, after he was uh, sentenced, life got a little bit um, interesting because he was sentenced to the 90 days, um, but they did they did credit him time served. So he served, I believe it was 38 days or something similar, you know, when he was first indicted. So the 90 days were cut down to 40-something days. And he, you know, he did his time. He tried to get out early. So we went through, you know, I had to go back to court, and he requested to be let out early. He was denied, um, you know, so on. And then he did get released eventually. Um, and I think once he was released, my fear skyrocketed. You know, I felt like even though he had a parole officer and he was, he was required to check in and all this, that's where my fear started to really spike because, you know, he is a vindictive person and I felt like I was safe where I was at, but, you know, it, it was one of those things where it was like, I have absolutely no idea what he's going to do. Um, I think that's probably the biggest thing that kind of follows me now is just the unknown of what he's doing. And he, you know, he does have a parole officer and they do keep me updated. Um, but just his day-to-day movements and things like that, I, I'm far away, but kind of always in the back of your mind. Like, I wonder, you know, if he will ever get that, you know, tickle in the back of his brain saying he wants revenge. Um, but I my biggest thing is I can't, I can't focus on that. You know, I have to focus on what I did do and that I was successful um, and focus on trying to help other women. And that's what I've been trying to do lately is, you know, I really, really want to get this support group off the ground. And, you know, if any of the women out there listening, um, I, I do believe you guys linked my support group. Um, in the bio and everything, um, and it worked earlier. I clicked on it, um, but it's wildfire, Good. wildflower su- <laughs> support group for sexual assault. And I, the goal is to have a Zoom meeting once a me- once a week, where we all just kind of curl up with a cup of coffee or wine or tea with a blanket and just talk. And just talk about how things are going and our feelings. And maybe if you have a question about, hey, you know, when is the right time to say something? Or you're already in the middle of it and you just need some support and you need some cheerleaders. You know, that's kind of the the vibe that I want to go with, with, with this support group. I don't want it to be therapy. I want it to be, you know, where you go to vent and you go to, you know, just, Talk to your, I mean, very immediate peers. You know, we, we've all kind of been through something similar and we can share our experiences and our feelings. And, you know, but I want it to be very comfortable and very cozy and very, you know, accepting and warm because I think that's what I needed when I was going through this and it wasn't available. There was nothing in my area that, you know, was even remotely anything like this. And I do want to do in-person as well. 
um, but that'll be just in my community here. Um, but the support group, my sister is also going to be co-hosting with me, um, and she is going to kind of just kind of be back up for, you know, our stories because we do have our own separate stories, and they're very, very different. And so I think that'll kind of cover uh, more bases as far as the different types of abuse and um, trauma that is out there. So I just, if if anybody gets anything out of this, I would love for, you know, a couple of members to to pop up on our, our support group. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Are you, do you do it on Zoom or is it on by phone? So it will be on Zoom. Um, we, we've done one and we didn't have anybody pop up. So we decided to, um, kind of forego that until we get a few more people right now. Most of our members are people that I know. Um, and just, cause I don't, I don't have a very big social media platform. Um, and so I'm just kind of doing my best. <laughs> um, but you know, it, it the idea is we'll do, you know, 10 to 15, maybe 20, depending on how it kind of works out. But we want to do Zoom meetings and, you know, kind of have everybody be able to chime in and kind of have a, a very vague topic that we start off on. And if it goes off on a tangent, you know, so be it. Um, but that's, yeah, we want it to kind of just start out as a comfortable place. Uh-huh. And what night is that on, or or day? Or we've been doing it Sundays. Um, so okay. Sundays, and I believe I I would have to go back because, like I said, we've only done one. Um, but I think it was 5 p.m. Mountain Time. Um, so that would make it 4 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Mountain, 6 Central, and so on. Okay. Yeah, you might just yeah, have to compete a little bit up. with Paul, but not on me. Off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, I know. It's hard to get them all uh, on there. But <laughs> right. yeah. Or maybe it would be really good that football might be going on because then maybe, you know, the women that want to come on can get away. So, right. you know, we can well, and that was, definitely. Yeah, that was kind of a, the idea. I know that football is starting, and so we might change the – um, the the evening, and we're really just taking suggestions. You know, once you're on the Facebook page, you know it's you have to be accepted to be able to see anything or or um, post or anything like that. Just for safety reasons, we are vetting everybody that comes through. Um, you know, we don't want anybody to end up in there that doesn't belong. Um, and so, but you know, I I been kind of trying to feel everybody out and figure out what's best and, you know, definitely up for suggestions. So um, if anybody goes in and adds themselves or, or um, uh, requests to be on the group, you know, I look forward to reading your answers to the questions and, and talking to you in the group and hopefully we can get a few members. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. Um. Dr. Nancy, did you have any other questions at this time? I know. Excuse me, I didn't have any questions. I'm just 
I'm just so proud of you. Um, we're all proud of you and find you, um, how they can reach out. Anything else that you'd like to share? I know we're getting to that ending part, but um, again, just want to say we're, we're so proud of you. Um, you've made strides that some of us have not been able to make, um, you know, and, and that was a big uh, milestone and a big accomplishment to be able to get um, that type of support from the community and from your peers around you, helping to support you and encourage you and also to be able to get that person registered. So I'm still just very proud of your, the, the accomplishments that you have made in that area. People who haven't been through that, they don't know how big those accomplishments are, but we know, and we just want to say that we support you and we stand with you. Thank you. That means a lot. Yes, you are definitely, um, if you didn't already pick that up, that you are a part of NASCA now and you are part of our family, you are welcome to call on any time if you want to just, you know, like your support groups, just call in and, and get some support from maybe somebody who's on that evening or, or help them, you know, support them. So you are welcome Absolutely. to call that number that you called tonight anytime. <laughs> We'd love to have you. Absolutely. You guys are going to make me emotional. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I think well, this is the biggest part that people need is that, that little bit of comfort and, and community, you know, and support. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, as Dr. Nancy was saying, um, you know, go tell us a little bit about maybe what you're thinking for the future. I mean, you told us about that. Is there something else that you could share with us? We're down to, like, 20 minutes on, um, I mean, like, anything. What do you do for work? Are you, do you travel for work? Because I know you say you, you've traveled a, a bit. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, I move a lot. Um, my, um, my fiance is, he's, um, his career makes him travel quite a bit. So I end up kind of tagging along and following in his, in his path. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> if, right, I'm sure there's, there's people out there that understand um, and that does make it hard for me to really settle down in a community, at least right now, um, and and get a good group going. And that's why we kind of wanted to do that Zoom meeting situation. Um, I started off this group over in um, the Bozeman, Montana area, and I really wanted to get an in-person group going. And it just, it was in the middle of COVID and it was just not getting off the ground. Um, But it's, you know, it's, (laughs) it's something, you know, it'll happen if it's meant to happen kind of situation. Um, And there's some plans possibly in the future. Um, I have horses and um, my stepmom is the family member that was on with you guys last week. Um, and she's just an incredible powerhouse of, you know, information and support and advocacy. Um, and 
she and I and my sisters have this dream of running, you know, um, a retreat type of ranch with horses and, you know, different animals and, and having abused women come out and spend kind of, you know, this, I'm trying to think of the right word. Um, retreat is the best word I can come up with, but, um, you know, we want to do this program where they can come out and spend time with the animals and horseback ride. And, um, you know, we can have therapy sessions or meditation or anything like that. Um, and that's kind of a big dream. I think, you know, it's, it's a little out of reach at the moment, but if we can get to there, I think we'll all be, you know, satisfied for sure. Oh my gosh. So I just started, well, not just started, I guess it was last month. I did six sessions of equine therapy, the, the Schultz equine, equine therapy. It uh-huh. was probably the most, you know, changing, life-changing that I've ever felt. I still have a lot of kind of walls up, unfortunately, so I do need some more. But it's, I think it was, um, well, look up this late, because Melissa Pierce, she was on our show, okay. A-R-C-E, and her um, organization is called touchedbyahorse.com, is, is where it's at. I love her. And she um, trains people, she trains people to go out and do therapies, like what I am doing with this other gal. Um, when she was on, I was like, yes, I love that, because I have, you know, sent pretty much my whole adult life in therapies, but most of them were just the talking therapy. And right. um, I think that it's been such a, you know, such a great experience to see how the horses really interact with you. And they really yeah. try and bring out, you know, the big thing that she worked on with me was just to get back into my heart because I spent so many years um, in abuse and CPTSD that I'm in my head all the time. And yes. so that was something we really worked on. And the horses just really, you know, grew to me or didn't, depending on how I was feeling and thinking. And so it was, it's been a really neat experience. And I start um, in October with a, a group session. So, yeah, I think you would probably learn a lot from Melissa Pierce. She's amazing. Oh, what and an amazing I, I, I story. I love that. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, she, I, um, I and she trains, so she does the training. Yeah. I love that you do horses, too. I think that's so great. Oh. I um, have never really been a horse person, like, growing up or my adult life, but my daughter now has horses. She got married and bought some land, and now they have three horses. And just oh. being in their presence, even before I started doing the therapy, I felt so just calm, just being in their presence, and I just love to go down yes. and talk to them. I've never, I've still never ridden them, but um, and the therapy isn't about riding either. It's it's just being in their presence, and we do therapy right. in the barn with the horses watching, and then they choose basically who you know the horse chooses who they want to work with if they want to work with you that day. Um, just I by, love and that. You can tell with the pain. It's Attention, and they kind of stick their head out, and you can tell one will just kind of stay and listen to you. And it's oh. not, it wasn't the same one every time either. It was different ones. So, 
yeah, it's amazing. It's an amazing experience. I would recommend it. To what anybody. a very cool thing. I will definitely have to look into um, Pierce and, and see what, you know, things she's offering. I love that because I, yeah, I'm actually stuff. going through a situation where my horse is, um, she, <laughs> she actually broke her spine. Um, and oh, so we're going no. through rehab with it. Yeah, so she mm. is able to be ridden right now, but it's very slow and it's very emotional because I was so used to riding every day or, you know, every other day. And then, it, you know, now it's been a little over a year and a half um, of trying to rehab her and I'm starting finally to get back in the saddle and riding um, and we've had a couple of hiccups since I started writing where she was in pain and I have to back off. Um, but that, that time between being able to ride is, it's just been very bonding for us. And I've had her since she was very, very little. Um, and she's now seven. So we, we, we definitely have this bond and I just love the idea of, women or anyone who have pain in their heart and in their mind interacting with horses because they're so healing. And I, I love, you know, I did want to do some work previously. I wanted to do some work with veterans with horses. And I just think they are just so universally comforting and therapeutic. And you could do it anywhere you want. You are, you know, if you're traveling or right. you can do it anywhere. Um, yeah, I love that. I can't remember, Dr. Nancy, have you, did you say that you've had equine therapy or we've just talked about it? I'll talk no, about it. what? Horse therapy? <laughs> horse. You horse therapy? Equine? Yeah. I, yeah. I have had it personally, but I know we've had a few guests. Well, we had the one that you just mentioned. I remember that she really was very, had a lot of extensive knowledge in that area. I'm, I'm a believer of pet therapy, right? When the pets are well behaved and trained, right? Yeah. Um, and so I, I have not personally experienced the horse therapy. I've touched a few horses and I was able to relate with like that feeling of, you know, feeling of feeling safe, but because of the fact that I know that they are so spiritual and they are very sensitive, it made me even more nervous uh, the last time that I touched the horse because I was like, okay, do they realize that I was under some stress? Do they realize that I was dealing with this? Do they realize so I was in my head um, touching the horse? So I didn't get to enjoy the last time I touched the horse. I felt like maybe the horse was stealing my energy, and I think maybe I was creating more energy, but the horse was calm the whole time. So, no, I haven't actually done, like, a therapy type of session with horses, but I do believe in in pet animal therapy, and um, I'm looking forward to trying it out. Definitely, if you get the chance to do it, definitely try it. And I did did want to... um, Maybe a little update here. I just pulled my phone away from my face and and looked. I had a message from, um, I'm in tears right now. Um, 
I have um, a message from the gal that cool. I've been working with and trying to uh, support her. And she just she just sent me a quick message that I made her cry. And I'm, just, I'm just very proud of her, and I am so happy that this is working for someone, you know. Yeah. And this is just so important to my heart that, you know, I, I just I just want to do as much as I can for anyone who feels like they need the support and need the help. And so that's my last little bit, just to kind of put it out there that <laughs> there are people out there that want to help. Um, oh, thank you. That's so sweet, Kelly. Thank you, Brad. Really So um, since we are down to the last eight minutes of the show, um, just invite Philip had to leave, but we have one other um, caller on the phone, and I just wanted to invite if you wanted to come on and say anything and how proud you are of your of Kaylee or whatever, you are welcome to. Your mic is open. Seven six five zero. Are you there? She's trying to talk there, or what? Maybe they don't want to talk. Okay, but know that you have another order. Is it open? Well. Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> Yes, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, this is Jeff, Kaylee's father. <gasps> Hi, Dad. Hi, Jeff. <laughs> Thank you. Hey. <laughs> yeah, we've been listening. I just wanted to chime. I didn't want to interrupt through the show, but since it's ending, I just wanted to call or talk and just say how proud of her that we are and all the hard work she's done, and now she's trying to help you know, other women that have been through similar situations. So any exposure you guys can help her with her group, that would be great. But she's been really strong for years now through this. And, you know, you never want to see your kids go through something like that. But if they do, you know, hopefully they handle it like she has. Um, oh, thank you, Dad. Yes. Yeah, I just I I couldn't even tell you how thankful I am for your support through everything. Mm-hmm. Always. <laughs> now we got you going, really, don't we? Kelly? I know. Now you got me crying, you guys. <laughs> Hey, you got to release. You got to release. Yes, and it's great. It's great to have that relief of knowing that you've got so much support around you, and especially because you're trying to reach out to everybody else. You know, you need to be right. able to get that that back. He said that. Too, so. Yeah. Thank you, Jeff. I'm trying. You know, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. I'll let you guys right. get back to what you're doing. Thank you, Dad, for calling in. All right. Love you. We'll talk to you soon. Love you, too. Thanks, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> and it looks like, it looks like Philip just hop, 
back on here as well. So that was so sweet. Yeah. I'm so glad that he came on and, and said something. But, yeah. Um, I know <laughs> it was probably a good thing he didn't come on earlier because I know it it touched you and I and I'm glad he he was there. He's been he's been very very supportive. He's been my my brick wall in this whole thing. We all need those people for sure. Absolutely. And Philip, are you back on with us? Did you want to? Yeah, I, I lost my Okay. Yeah, go ahead. I lost phone service in the mountains, so I'm just calling back in so we can, you know, wrap it up. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't have anything specific to say. Okay. So yeah, just one more time. Give your um, website and how you want um, women to be able to get a hold of your your training. So my going. Is, uh, so the Facebook support group name is, I'm going to read it properly, it is Flowers Sexual Trauma Support Group for Women. Um, you should be able to find it just by typing in um, any of those keywords, and you do have to uh, go through some questions. Um, like I said, we vet everybody that uh, tries to join just so that we have clean um, also, if you need to get in contact with me directly, um, my email address is Kaylee, and that's K-A-L-L-I, sunshine, at gmail.com. And that's, you know, it is my personal email, so just be respectful of that. But if you need any help or any support or any help with the support group, um, definitely reach out. Um, I'm I'm here for whatever I can, so um, and I'm just trying to do, do as much as I can. Uh, so if yeah, if there's any issues with getting a hold of me there, and like I said, the link you guys linked my page also on um, the bio, and that link does work. So yeah. say that one more time though, because you were kind of cutting out just a little bit. Can you say that? Facebook again. Oh, yes. It's um, Wildflower Support Group. Um, I'm looking at it. Hang on. Sexual Trauma Support Group for Women. And it's Wildflower. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Did that come through okay? <laughs> Sorry. Great. Perfect. Yes. That sound, yeah, that's why I mean it sounded a lot better. It was a little jumbled up there. Well, again, Kaylee, okay. thank you so much for being on, and we are honored to have you as a part of the NASCAR family, and um, we'd love to have you anytime if you, um, you know, ever, like I said, again, come on, hop on anytime, just like Philip does, okay. and, and we love to have people come on, and they're nice, but we don't have a guest, and so we just start chatting, and it, they usually end up to be pretty good chats as well, so, um, so thank you awesome. again. I love what you guys are doing. You. We love what you're doing as well. You're such a, a good influence for for everyone who is needing to speak out. We need that support. So, everyone, thank well, thank you all for that. being on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, thank you.
and um, we'll be in touch. And thank you all, everyone, for supporting Kaylee tonight. And um, as we like to say on our shows, that there are enough adult eyes and ears out there to protect all children. And so we need to be watching out as adults for the safety of all children. And it is our responsibility. And it is our, you know, our problem. If we see something happening, even with the child that we don't know, it's our responsibility to report it. So please, if you are, if you ever see something out, out in the world that you're in, please say something and get that child help that they need. Have a good night, everyone. Thanks good again. Good night, thank you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.